You are listening to sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give, visit churchonbayshore.org. Okay, I didn't know I was going to get like a pep rally before I preached this morning. Come on, come on, 8 o'clock service, let's go. I'm ready. Um, man, I do think that uh, upon James's return, we should all refer to him as Mr. President. Um, I'm not sure that he would love that, and I might get him in trouble for saying that, but um, man, good morning, church family. It is just a joy uh, to get to celebrate with you guys. I was just thinking as we were, uh, as we were worshiping this morning, I used to be uh, a really young kid one day. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I was, a, I was that tall, and I used to go to our uh, church's traditional service. And man, it is just a joy to come together and sing the hymns. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I got to reminisce a little bit this morning, and it was a joy for me. I do want to thank you all um, just for your continued support. Um, last weekend, we got to celebrate D. Now you got to hear from Pastor Ken Hall. I'll kind of talk a little about, bit about him uh, here in just a second. But I just wanted to share with you, I shared a little bit last week of just this, this image that we got to see last weekend during our, our Students D. Now weekend uh, of about 100 students gathered in this room, kneeling uh, at the at the altar, and, and many of them were making decisions. I think we've got a picture of that we can throw up on the screen uh, because I didn't know that we had this picture. And so I just want to share with you guys just the image because I think it's really incredible just to see the way that God is moving in the next generation. It, it really is a joy uh, to, to worship together uh, and, and to be a part of what God is doing here at Church on Bayshore. I wanna welcome you, if this is your first time with us, uh, it's my privilege and joy just to welcome you on our campus. We'd love to get to know you, to connect with you. We've got connection tables uh, outside. Uh, you can connect, I'll be, I'll be around, you can come talk to me. We just would love to get to know you. You can also text the word connect to the number on, on the screen. One of our pastors will follow up with you this week uh, because we really wanna help you get plugged into all that is happening here at Church on Bayshore. As Pastor James and Pastor Justin and my friend Lucas hype me up, I'm Alec, I'm the student minister here at Church on Bayshore. Uh, I've got the privilege of working with some of the greatest students uh, that I have ever met. Uh, and it is just a privilege to get to pour into them. I do wanna promote uh, something that's coming up because I get it, I'm a Christmas, y'all Christmas people? Have y'all put up your trees yet? I have, um, I'm sorry, I, I don't, Thanksgiving's great, it's just the, the preamble to Christmas for me. Um, and so uh, we, we are uh, kind of gearing up for Christmas already. Uh, I wanna remind you the, the Christmas boxes, they, today is the last Sunday, so if you forgot them, I mean, I guess you could drive home and get them, uh, but it, it's the last Sunday to bring those. But also, this is a really cool thing that for the first time, Church on Bayshore is doing this year. Maybe you're kind of looking for that Advent devotional. You, you have that kind of yearly tradition of, of getting that Advent and reading it. Well, Church on Bayshore is publishing their own Advent devotional. Uh, it's written by pastors and life group leaders. Uh, and so it's designed for our church to uh, come together and to read. And so I would really encourage you, uh, I, that they told me to talk about it and that's all the information that I have. So I don't know when they're available, but they're coming, so look for them. Um, and uh, so I would just, I would encourage you guys uh, to make that a part of your plan uh, this, this Christmas season. This morning, we're continuing in our series titled Clarity. 
We were kind of on a two-week hiatus from the book of Ephesians with D-Now Weekend and this weekend. Uh, and last week, again, we had the privilege of hearing from Pastor Ken coming from Hope Chapel in Massachusetts. And we got to hear from him, and he talked about how we have this clear calling from God to step out of the boat. He, he talked about Peter's life and specifically the moment where Peter stepped out and walked on water. And, and that's, a, that, that, that's an incredible passage of scripture. And so this week, we are going to continue to look at the, at the person of Peter. We're going to look at Peter and we're going to kind of fast forward well into his life and look at what I think is one of the, the coolest instances of Peter continuing to live out that calling. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 3, if you want to find your place in your Bibles, Acts chapter 3. Uh, and, and as you're finding you there, as you're finding your place there, let me kind of get you caught up. So, so Peter, he, he's, you know, he stepped out of the boat. He's walked on water. Uh, he continues to follow Jesus and, and engage in Jesus's ministry. Uh, he's, he's continuing to grow and learn. And then this thing happens. I don't know if you guys know about it, where Jesus gets betrayed by Judas and, and Jesus is crucified. And, and Peter and Jesus have this interaction where Jesus like, you're gonna deny me three times. And we all know Peter, he's, he's not that guy, right? He doesn't believe that he's gonna be that guy. And so Peter says, no way. And the Lord's like, Jesus, for sure, you're gonna do this. And so Jesus, or Peter ends up, Jesus dies. And while Jesus is still in the tomb, Peter denies Christ three times. And so we see this really odd transition from when Jesus, or sorry, when Peter is close to Jesus, he is willing to step out of the boat and walk on water. But just a few chapters in our Bibles later, we see that this same Peter, when Jesus is not close by him, when it seems like all hope is lost, he denies Christ. Well, spoiler alert, Jesus rises from the grave, hallelujah, amen, and, and Peter reconciles with Christ, and then Jesus ascends into heaven. And once again, Peter is not in the proximity of Jesus. So what we're going to look at today is how Peter responds the second time. When Jesus has ascended, how does he respond to not being in proximity with Jesus? We're going to look on how Peter faithfully answers a clear calling from Jesus. So let's read Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, they say this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they lay, who they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asks to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he affixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, Lord, for the goodness of your word. God, thank you for the power of your calling. Father, we pray this morning for clarity. As we seek to be faithful followers of you, Lord, we pray for clarity this morning, God, that we would see your command clearly. God, that all of our selfish ambitions would fall away, Lord, and your name be magnified in our life. God, I pray this morning, Lord, that my words would go away, God, but your words would come forth. God, make me lesser this morning so your name would be made greater. We lift all of this in your son's name. Amen. This passage has been very close to my heart recently. Um, I, I feel like it, I just kind of rediscovered it over the past few months. And, and as we were kind of getting ready for this week and knowing where Pastor Ken was gonna take us, uh, I wanted to continue to look at the call of Peter or the call of Christ on Peter's life. And, and I think this passage gives us a real picture of our ongoing struggle. Peter's life following the ascension of Christ could have reflected or could have looked a lot like after Christ had died. He could have, Christ ascends, and he's no longer in proximity to Jesus, and he decides, I'm gonna continue to deny Christ. But instead, we get a clear picture of how Peter has learned to continue to answer God's calling on his life, to follow him even when Christ is not physically close by. This text, I think, is, is a crucial, gives, gives us a crucial understanding of how we can continue to answer the clear call of Christ on our lives. It wasn't just about Peter stepping out of the boat once. It was a continued call or answering of the call of Christ on his life. I think there are three things that we're going to kind of learn as we continue to read in this passage. And the first one comes from these first 10 verses. It's the fact that Peter was ready despite routine. Peter was ready despite routine. Uh, just some context, Peter, he's a part of the early Christian church, and the early Christian church, again, he, he's, a, he's of Jewish background, and so the early Christian church looks very different than, than our Western Christianity today. The early Christian church, this small fellowship of believers, they pulled their resources together because they didn't have very much, and largely they functioned with Jewish worship and prayer times. The, the liturgy of their prayer and gatherings followed kind of a Jewish tradition. And so this is reflected in our text as we see Peter and John going to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. See, they are doing what they normally would have done. I, I imagine they're like a Dunkin' Donuts run away from it being like you guys this morning, right? Where you gotta, you gotta stop, get your coffee. They, they're they're kind of doing their normal morning routine. They're, they're doing their normal 
routine. But what this text tells us, though, is that there was another person doing their routine. See, this text gives us this picture of this this man who, since he was born, was carried to the temple, was carried to the, the, every day he sat outside the temple from birth. He sat asking people for money every day, this, the day in and day out. And I would imagine if we were to put ourselves into our own rhythms, maybe it's coming to church, maybe it's going to work, maybe it's you know, going to whatever it is, wherever, name a place that you go typically. And there was a person who since they were born had been sitting and waiting and asking you for money, begging. It, two things would happen. Day in and day out, they're sitting there and sitting there. We would either strive to get to know this person. Why are you sitting outside of the gym all the time? I'm confused. Or, and I would, I would, I would challenge us that this is far more likely, they would begin to blend in. That it would be the same as, as a display or something that it's just always there. It becomes white noise to us. This other person, this beggar, this, this crippled man, his entire life had been going to the same place and begging. And I can only imagine the amount of people who were going about their routine and didn't even see him anymore. Day after day after day. And what does the text tell us? That Peter and John show up and Peter directed his gaze at him. And he says, look at us. Pastor James and I had the privilege last spring, we went to New York to visit one of our uh, church plants that we support. And I remember, I grew up in Atlanta. I'm I'm used to the city life. I'm used to uh, having people ask for money. That that was a very common thing. And and I remember being in New York and there was almost this, this numbness where it was almost like they were just asking for money into the air. Because thousands and thousands and thousands of people walked by them day after day after day after day. And and it just kind of, it was was nothing for someone to hear it and walk by. It was just an extra layer of of city noise. And I imagine for this this crippled beggar that, that had been there his entire life, that it was kind of amazing for someone to say, look at me. For someone to take notice of him and say, look at me. See, Peter was ready. Peter was looking for opportunities. Peter understood that there were opportunities to draw people close to Christ as he was on his way. Peter was ready. The difference between Peter and John is they were ready. They were seeking opportunities to bring people to the cross of Jesus. See, our walks with Jesus often go from the passion to save others. There, there's this very real thing, that, and maybe you've experienced this. When you came to saving knowledge in Christ, do you remember how excited you were? Man, I hope that you were excited because there is nothing sweeter. Do you remember how excited you were to, to be reunified with God, to 
feel the weight of Christ's sacrifice. And, and often those who have just accepted Christ are fervent about telling people about the saving knowledge of Christ. But what happens is it's kind of like a college football Saturday. You become one with the couch and, and you slowly start to sit back and relax and get complacent. Peter and John were ready. Ashley and I, uh, my wife Ashley and I, we've, we've been here for just shy of three years. Uh, and this May, we got to bring uh, our, our son into this world. He is amazing. Um, I love him. I miss him already. Uh, he was asleep when I left and that made me sad. But uh, actually... I'll be real. It made me kind of happy that he was asleep because that meant my wife got to sleep. But uh, we're just loving every minute of it. And Ashley and I, we had this great idea um, that every Saturday morning, we, every Saturday morning, we were going to have waffles because our son's name is Walker. So we were going to have waffles with Walker. Uh, And it was going to be adorable and Instagram worthy. And it was going to be amazing. Uh, and, And so we bought this nice waffle iron. We were ready to go. And for the first month, maybe, we were making the fanciest, bougiest waffles that you can imagine. I mean, we had Nutella and strawberries and cinnamon and apples and, and you know, whipped cream. I, was, I felt like I was at IHOP. It was amazing. Um, and as you can imagine, that routine and the routine of early parenthood, uh, it, it quickly became like, oh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's Saturday. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll make some waffles really quick. Oh, we don't, we don't have batter. Okay. I think I can make some from scratch. They might taste like rubber, but okay, that's fine. And then eventually it was like me handing Ashley a lukewarm, cold in the center, Eggo waffle wrapped in a paper towel. Like that was, that was where this, this tradition went. And um, our walks with the Lord sometimes become that, where, where it starts off and, you know, you're just so engaged in God's word and worship and you're excited about doing what Christ has called you to do. But over time, you look back, you're like, where, where was, where was that? Where did it go? What, what happened? We've been talking about marriage. We're going to talk about uh, in the coming weeks about parenting and, and God's clear calling of husbands and wives and God's clear calling of parenting. As Christians, our own tendency is to forget about those around us. It's, it's just to do our own thing. We, we like to self-preserve. And, and marriage and parenting are no different. They, they tie in with this intentional communing with Jesus rather than going through the motions. I'm reading a book right now about intentional fatherhood. Uh, and and it, it talks about how there is a good father who does all of the things that a, that a dad should do, and then there's an intentional father whose goal is to point their child and form them to be more like Jesus. Would our walks with Christ echo that? Would they echo this, this example that we have in Peter and John? They're going about their routines, They're doing the things that they normally would do. But they're going with the gospel in mind. Their eyes are open and they are ready to use their routine to reconcile people back to Jesus. My grandfather, uh, he goes to McDonald's every morning. Every morning. He brings breakfast to McDonald's, y'all. 
He, I don't, I love, I, it's funny. Um, he brings his breakfast to McDonald's and he gets a coffee and he's got these, these older men that he sits and he eats with. You have routines. I know that you have routines. Are you utilizing your routines to reconcile people back to Jesus? Peter gives us this clear example of, a, of, of answering the clear call of Christ and he uses, he's ready to use his routine for reconciliation. The second thing that, that I think we can learn from Peter is that Peter was ready with the real need. Peter was ready with the real need. See, not only was Peter ready during his routine, but he was ready with the real need. See, our text tells us that the man was asking for alms. He was begging for money. Peter first established connection by saying, look at me, and they fix their attention on one another, and he says this, verse five, it says, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. This this man who's been there his whole life is like, finally, someone's gonna give me some money. He's expecting, he's waiting for something. What does Peter say? I have no silver and gold. I almost in that comma can see the air deflate from the lungs of that beggar. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There is power behind Jesus's name. Peter knows the power of Jesus's name. And here's the thing. Peter does not meet the expectations, he exceeds them. Peter doesn't just make this man more comfortable, he makes him forever in relationship with Christ. He says, what I do have, I give to you. Peter identifies the value of Jesus. Here's the thing, we we see in the text that this man is leaping and rejoicing because he's been healed by Jesus. He's leaping and rejoicing, who's been laying lame for his entire life. He is not leaping and rejoicing because he's gonna go back to a McMansion and be like Scrooge McDuck with piles and piles of money. No, he, he is rejoicing because his needs were not met, they were exceeded. His station in life is the same. He is still in need of earthly money, but he has something far greater. Peter knows that the real need of this man is not of silver and gold, it is Jesus. In all likelihood, Peter and John didn't have a whole lot of silver and gold, but they gave him what they did have. And Jesus, church, don't miss this. Peter understands the role of the Holy Spirit in his life. He has owned the clear calling of Christ that he will be with them always to the end of the age. He is going about his day empowered by the Spirit to go and do the work of Christ. Church, if you are in Christ you have the same Holy Spirit that Peter has. If you are in Christ, you have the same Holy Spirit that John had. If you are in Christ, you have the same spirit that Paul had. 
The question is, are we seeking to use the wise counsel of the Spirit and are we going out our day recognizing the need for Jesus in our community? Hear me, Niceville needs Jesus. Florida needs Jesus. The United States of America needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. So what happens? Peter and John, they go into the temple and, and this, this man is leaping and jumping for joy and everybody's recognizing him and all the Jews in the temple are hard stop. What's going on? Why is this guy leaping and jumping? That's the guy who for his entire life had been laying there. Continue reading with me in Acts chapter 11, or sorry, Acts chapter three, verse 11 through 16. While he, the, the crippled man, clung to Peter and John, all the people were utterly astounded. They ran together to see them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by your own power or piety, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. Don't miss this. Verse 16, this is where Peter assigns the power of what he has done. He says, and his name by faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and now know, whom you see and know, and the, fa and the faith that is through Jesus has given this man the perfect health in the presence of you all. See, Peter sees all of these gawking people and are, they're wondering what is going on. And Peter paints a very clear picture. He's like, don't you understand? It is not because I have any power in me. It is through faith in Jesus Christ that this man has raised up and walked. It is by faith that this man was healed. He was still poor, but he was healed through Christ. He had faith in Jesus. Church, our healing comes through Christ. It, it's often, and I deal with this in student ministry, but it, it stems all the way up, that, that we like to treat God like Amazon Prime. Like if we, if we pray in 24 hours, there will be a, God-sized box on our front stoop and we can open it up and get all the things that we need. It, it, it's tempting to treat God like he is Walmart, like he is just this deity of a vending machine that we can get whatever we want from. I said that we were Christmas people. Ashley and I are, were Christmas people. Our Christmas tree's already up uh, and we have already started the Christmas watching Christmas movie watching process. And we were watching uh, A Christmas Carol the other day and actually hadn't seen the weird one with Jim Carrey that Disney put out that's scary and animated. And, um, and so we, we were watching it and Jacob Marley has this line uh, where he, he comes in and, and he's, you know, a ghost and he's, 
he's telling Ebenezer Scrooge, this is, this is what is about to happen to you. And, and Ebenezer's like, what are these chains that you're wearing? And he says, these are the chains that I made in life. How much longer would your chains be? Church family, are we making chains in life? Are we link by link making chains for things here on earth? Or are we seeking the things of God? Are we recognizing our real need for Jesus? And are we ready to take the good news of the gospel all over the world? Who are you in this passage? Are you the beggar who is looking for answers, needing real healing? Are you the Jews who are confused at the work of a mighty God all around them? Or are you like Peter and John who are faithfully, despite it all, walking, looking for opportunities to bring people close to Christ? Are you responding to a clear call? The last thing that we're gonna talk about this morning, the last thing that Peter illustrates for us is that he was ready, Peter was ready for the real consequences. Peter was ready for the real consequences. After all of this happens, we can read in Acts chapter four, uh, verses one through four, What's going on? Acts chapter four, one through four says this. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Pause. They were greatly annoyed. As we talk about real consequences, hold your place at being greatly annoyed. Verse three says, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. See, Peter understood the consequences of this earth are real. He understood Christ's words about what would happen to those of us who are following Christ. I'd imagine if you stepped out of your routines to those people that you interact with day in and day out, maybe it's somebody at the coffee shop, maybe it's someone at work, whatever that is, that there are gonna be real consequences to you sharing the gospel with them. They may be greatly annoyed at you and your persistence to share the gospel with them, but take heart. Verse four tells us, but many of those who heard the word believed. May we rejoice in that. This past Tuesday, and maybe you saw it on uh, the church's social media, uh, we, were, we were talking in our staff meeting and, and kind of praying through kind of the, the needs of our, our church and, and the people who are hurting and uh, and. Uh, Justin brought up, hey, we really need to pray for our pastors in South Asia. And we started to talk about it. Um, and, he, and he was letting us in that, that many of them are, are being beaten and persecuted for faithfully sharing the gospel. That they're being threatened to, to go to jail because they are faithfully sharing the gospel. And, and I, I, I really... I praise God for them and their faithfulness. They were willing and ready to go to jail. And their heart was not, we'll show them, we're, we're gonna, you know, stand up strong, we'll go to jail, it doesn't matter. 
their heart was, hey, even if we're in jail, we'll be sharing the gospel with the people that we're surrounded by. And it wasn't, and, and I would say that I am not like this, it wasn't revenge seeking. It wasn't, man, we just wanna get back at our oppressors. We wanna get back at the people. It was, we want those people to know Jesus. They understand the urgency of the gospel despite the real consequences. And, and I know that South Asia seems very, very far away. But if we look around, that this is, this is coming. That, that there is real consequences here in the States where, where we will have to face persecution for Christianity. Again, it may be as simple as being greatly annoyed. You may not get invited to the work thing or you not, may not get invited to, to the card game or you might not get invited. You may lose friends because they are unwilling to hear the gospel. Warren Wearsby says, the important thing is not that we are comfortable, but that the name of the Lord is glorified through the preaching of the gospel. I mentioned college football. I spent a good part of yesterday uh, watching all the undefeated teams win, which to my Alabama self was greatly disappointed. Um, but I, I remember, uh, it just I was thinking about this message and and. I remember being in college. I went to every UGA football game um, because I worked at concession stands and um, I, I got to walk on the field a few times and there's a huge difference of sitting on my nice sofa, watching a game, hearing the commentators. I don't have to, I can just look and it's awesome. There's a really big difference on being on the sidelines when you hear those pads hit. There, there's a really big difference in our faith walk if we're walking faithfully or if we're sitting on the sidelines watching it happen. I would encourage you to step into that. See, it, Ken, Pastor Ken talked about uh, Peter stepping out of the boat and the text tells us that he wasn't stepping out onto a glassy bay like that. It, it talks about the wind roaring and the waves beating the ship. He stepped into a storm to pursue after Christ. Peter's life illustrates a, re a repetitive, clear calling to step out in faith no matter the circumstances. See, Peter was ready. Yes, he had denied Jesus. But he was ready. He was ready as he was going about his day to share the real need of the gospel despite the real consequences of doing that. He understood it. We're gonna close. I've got just a few applications. I remember playing this game in college. Uh, or I, or I fortunately never played it. I had friends that played it a lot. And um, we would get in a car or they would get in a car and they would... I went to one red light, middle of nowhere, Georgia college in literally the middle of nowhere and back country roads. It would be no street lights, pitch black at night. And they would put you in a car, blindfold you and drive you as far into the country as they could possibly imagine. You had like 15 minutes, get as far away from campus as you can. And then they would push you out of the car, no phone, no nothing. And you'd be, they would head back to campus. Doesn't sound like a game, sounds like kidnapping, but there, there was this, this kind of, it was a fun thing, like let's see if you can figure out your way back and there would be multiple people and they'd try and get together. Don't recommend playing this game, not a lot of fun, people got hurt. But walking through life can feel a lot like that. 
this lack of clarity, walking through parenting as a new parent. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? This is wild. Um, <laughs> advice well received, please. Um, but Peter was able to remain clear because he understood who Christ was. He had a relationship with Jesus. Scripture tells us that our, the Holy Spirit is our counselor, that God's word is a lamp to our path, that he will always be with us to the end of the age. And Peter owned this and walked in it. I wanna encourage you, if you're, if you're a kid or a student, I recognize that, that even in the service, that there are kids or students in this, and this is for you. If you are going to understand clearly Christ's call on your life, it starts with knowing God's word. If I were to say, adults in the room, I need your help just for a minute. This is, we're gonna engage here for a second. If I were to say, Father Abraham, how do you know that? We didn't coordinate this, but it's because it was ingrained in you as a child to know that Father Abraham had many sin, sons. He had many sins as well, but many sons. I am one of them and so are you. you, you it's ingrained in you. Hold fast, kid or student in this room to the promises of God's word. Cherish his word so that when the time comes, you will obey the calling clearly. If you're in a, an unbeliever in the room, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, my, my first question is, do you have a clear understanding of who God is? Is it clear to you of who Christ is for you? Is Jesus a part of culture or a part of your life or is he your whole life? Don't miss this. Are you seeking after a Christ that is an Amazon Prime list? Or are you seeking after a Christ who has saved you from your sins, who died for you, who rose from the grave for you so that you could spend eternity with him? If that's you, I'd love to talk with you. I'll be down at the front after service or you can text the word believe to the number that's on the screen. Don't let this day go by without spending it with Christ. For those of you who are walking faithfully, are you keeping your head above water, trying to get to the next day, to the next day, a slave to your routine and missing the calling of God on your life? Are you concerned with making people comfortable by meeting their physical needs or are you meeting their physical needs and bringing them to the foot of the cross? It's easy to make people comfortable. It's hard to let Jesus work through you to bring people close to him. It takes boldness. And are you ready and prepared for the real consequences? Are you willing to pay the cost of following Christ but we, it's a real cost, but we know that when we are faithful to him, we can count our suffering as joy. We had D-Now last weekend. I'm gonna close with this. This is kind of the last thing I'll say. We had D-Now last weekend, and I remember being a little middle school Alec in my church's D-Now weekend, and this music guy got up and he sang the song, and it's a modified version of Moses's song from uh, Exodus. And it talks about just the trials that we go through, but rejoicing in the Lord. So I'm gonna read this and then we'll pray 
to close. It says, O the Lord, our strength and song, highest praise to him belongs. Christ the Lord, the conquering king, your name we raise, your triumphs sing. Praise the Lord, our mighty warrior. Praise the Lord, the glorious one. By his hand we stand in victory. By his name we overcome. Hear this. Though the storms of hell pursue, in darkest night we worship you. You divide the raging sea from death to life. You, safety, you safely lead. All the saints and angels bow, hosts of heaven crying out, glory, glory to the king. You reign for all eternity. Pray with me. Father, we are so thankful, Lord, just for who you are, God. We are so thankful God, that through you, we can go boldly and share the good news of the gospel. God, we call upon your name this morning, Father. God, that you would help us follow you despite the consequences. God, that we would go for the rest of the day. God, as we head out from this place, that we would go with your name in mind. and your truth on our lips. We pray this in your son's name, amen.